Well, good morning again. It's really great to be with you. If you missed my welcome, I'm Ellen and I'm one of the ministers here on the team. And it's just always good to be together in this way. Before we get going on the message, just um, just to mention one thing that Louise mentioned in the notices, which is uh, that two weeks today in this in this time, there's going to be a, an informal discussion happening about baptism upstairs. And uh, let me just explain the rationale behind that for you. Um, Often people are interested in being baptised and they come and have a chat with us about it. But of course, if you're the kind of person that's come to talk to us about the possibility of baptism, it's quite likely at that point they are already pretty serious about considering baptism. And that tends to be what happens. And then we have baptism services, like we've got some planned in a couple of months' time. We're conscious that there may well be people here who aren't baptised and are just sort of thinking about it, maybe. And would appreciate the opportunity just to think about um, why we do it. Why is it important to us? What does the Bible say? So the idea is that when the children go out, some of us uh, come upstairs with me, we'll put the kettle on, have an informal discussion and some information about baptism. So if you're not baptised and you'd appreciate half an hour with me over a coffee and miss the sermon that's going on here, I don't actually know who it is preaching that day, um, you can, you're welcome to do that. You don't need to sign up or just uh, invite people to go out during that session. But if that's you and you're not baptised and you're interested, please um, come along. It'll be open, of course, to teens as well. So if you've got teenagers, I'm sure Andy will be letting the teenagers know that that's happening too, so that they can come and be part of that discussion if they'd like to. So that's two weeks today at this moment. You, however, are trapped because there's nothing going on elsewhere. And uh, you have to listen to my message today, which is the next in our series, Where Do We Grow From Here? Now, we are four weeks into this series looking at what it means to be a church that grows. What does it mean to be a church that is seeking to be healthy and to be fruitful and to grow? And where do we grow from here is a theme that Ken, our senior minister, is taking to churches and regions around the country in his role as president of the Baptist Union. He's sharing this theme all over the place. He and Sue are currently in uh, Yorkshire this weekend, sharing with a whole bunch of uh, church leaders and churches there. But of course, it's not just a theme, as we've been saying, for churches out there to grapple with. It's for us to grapple with too. We've looked at various aspects of growth so far. Ken kicked off the series and introduced it for us. And since then, we've thought about moving the goalposts, how we commit to communicating this timeless message of the gospel, this unchanging message of Jesus. How do we communicate that in a way that resonates with the shifting culture that we're in? We looked at practices and principles, so that's our personal commitment to be part of a church that's growing, and that our own discipleship is part of partnering with God and his mission. And today, we're thinking about bold experiments. Now, the timing of all our messages has been interesting so far. Without us particularly planning it that way, Ken started the series, um, which coincided with the beginning of his presidency, which felt appropriate and poignant in some ways. Moving the goalposts that I spoke about just happened to fall after we had shared our initial thoughts about what we thought God was saying to us about Bosom, which felt really timely. And I'll say a bit more on where we're up to with that a bit later. And then this morning, the theme is bold experiments, about what it means to be bold in trying things for the gospel. And it just happens to be Pentecost Sunday today. And when I realised that these two things 
fell together at the same time, I just suddenly felt a real sense of expectation and excitement about that and stirred up, I guess, about what God might want to do among us this morning, this significant day when we celebrate the the birth of a movement, the birthday of the church, when God's spirit was poured out in power on his church. And there are churches and groups of churches all over the nation today doing small things in services like us and big things together across cities, celebrating the fact that the Holy Spirit was poured out, the church was born, and that he gave his energy and power and life to the church on that Pentecost Sunday. And he wants to do that for us here this morning. So we'll think about these two things together. And we're going to make some space um, for receiving and for prayer as part of today as well. So let's just read a couple of uh, short passages. The first is in John chapter 20, if you want to find it. It's page 1089 in the Blue Bibles there. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 19 to 22. And this is the resurrected Jesus. Jesus has died and he's risen again. And he appears to his disciples as they were locked away together in fear. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then a few pages on in Acts chapter 2, page 1093, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they, the disciples, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we have the resurrected Jesus who appears to the disciples in person and he breathes on them and he says, receive my spirit. And then once Jesus had ascended into heaven, his spirit is poured out in power at Pentecost and there begins a new chapter for God's people. That promised Holy Spirit that once was just for special people in the days of the Old Testament, just for special people at certain times, in certain places, for specific tasks, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is given for anybody who will ask and receive. When I was preparing for this message this morning, I was thinking about this phrase, jumping the gun. It's a phrase that we uh, use in conversation. And it's derived from athletics, of course, in sprinting races where the starting pistol goes off, but the athlete leaves the starter blocks just a, you know, a fraction, a millisecond, just before the gun, and um, uh, leaves too soon. I always find it actually quite stressful watching sprinting. There's a kind of anticipation for that starter pistol. Is, are any of the athletes going to twitch and jump the gun and start running too soon? 
I was actually in the Olympic Stadium at the London 2012 Olympics, and uh, this, I still remember vividly the, the starter pistol that kind of resonates around the stadium, makes you jump at times, and there's this anticipation. Is anyone going to run when they shouldn't? And of course, at the Olympics, you're only allowed one false start. Um, and if you do that, then you're disqualified. It's quite a big deal to jump the gun. And that phrase has come to mean when anybody acts before the proper or the appropriate time, to act too soon when we're not ready or when the timing isn't right. You're jumping the gun, we might say. Hang on a minute, don't go so fast. Wait, hold on, be patient. And I think on this Pentecost Sunday, with all that's going on in the life of the church, with all that's going on in your life and in my life, God might just want to quietly say to us, don't jump the gun. In the passage in John that we've read, there's a direct link with thinking about boldness and power that we need for mission and for service, the command for us to go, and the gift of the Holy Spirit who is given first. Jesus does not want his disciples to jump the gun. Verse 21 in John 20, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This passage is one of commissioning. Jesus sends the disciples out as the Father has sent him. I'm sending you. And he says that to us. I'm sending you out. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. But don't jump the gun. Because at the heart of their commission, at the heart of the disciples' commission, was this crucial gift which will enable them to fulfill the task that is before them. Jesus doesn't just send them. He imparts all the resources that they need for the job. He gives them his life-giving spirit with that and with that. Love that phrase. And with that, as he sends them, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. How many of us are very quick to hear the commission to go for God, but slow to obey the command to receive from God? If we embrace the challenge to go for Jesus, we need to hear the command to receive from Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receiving is critical for mission. Living and acting with the authority of Jesus, being sent by him, that will only work if we receive from him. And here we are on this Pentecost Sunday with a chance to remember that and to stop and to wait and to receive his spirit again for whatever he's got ahead for us. What have you got coming up tomorrow, this week? What have we got coming up as a church? We can wait for his spirit. Receive it again. Receive him again. Understanding how vital it was to uh, stop and receive was a wake-up call for me. By, by personality type, by nature, I'm, um, I'm a doer, really. I, I'm an activist kind of personality type. I've got a, a busy and a hectic life. I'm always on the go, and I quite like it that way. And... Sitting and contemplating and thinking just wasn't really part of my DNA. I mean, who has time to sit and to think? 
And I came to realise after a particularly exhausting patch, this is some years ago now, after a particularly exhausting patch, that actually my pace was completely unsustainable. And, and more than that, I, I wasn't heeding Jesus' model. And I was actually disobeying his command. And God really spoke to me about that. And he just really challenged my pride as well about that. How could I fulfill the call of God on my life without regularly receiving his life-giving energy and power? How could I minister to others without stopping and letting God minister to me? And that meant making some significant changes, which I've tried to build into my life to this day, finding regular space for receiving from him, just being with Jesus, being really okay about just wasting my time hanging out with Jesus, and that being crucial to all the other stuff that I do. And I've experienced his uh, love and his presence and his power on so many occasions, whether that's on my own, whether that's in times of prayer, whether that's in prayer ministry in church with people praying for me. Paul says to the Ephesians, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Receiving is critical for mission. And I honestly think that receiving doesn't come naturally to us, even if you're not my personality type, even if you're much better with sitting and, and quiet and more contemplative, actually, you'll probably still agree it's much easier to give out than it is to receive. This passage in John shows us that we have a God who breathes. We've got a God who breathes. And there is life-giving power in the breath of God. The disciples were in fear in that room, but they had a job to do. And Jesus breathed on them. And he said, receive my spirit. He didn't give them an action plan, a five-point plan of how to start the church and win the world, of how to counter their fear, kind of anti-anxiety meditation methods. He breathed on them and said, receive my spirit. And then look what happened. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church began. The Greek word for breathed in that John passage, Jesus breathed on them. That, that Greek word breathed on is only found in the New Testament here in this, in this passage when Jesus breathed on them. And the only other place it's found is in Genesis, in Genesis 2 verse 7, when God breathes his life into Adam. So when he breathes on the disciples, he's breathing life into them. The spirit that brings life, the same spirit that brought life, that breathed life into Adam, is the same spirit that Jesus is breathing on his disciples. And I love the symmetry of that. In Genesis, at the, the dawn of creation, God breathes into Adam and he becomes a living being. And here we are after the resurrection, on the first day of the week, the first day, the first dawn of the new creation, Jesus breathes again his life-giving power. Do you see the beautiful symmetry? Jesus breathes into Adam and gave him life. On the first day of the new creation, Jesus breathes his life-giving power into the disciples. Jesus breathes and we are to receive. We have a relationship with a God who breathes. And when he breathes, everything changes. We can all receive a fresh filling of this life-giving spirit today. Thank God for that. If we are afraid and fearful, if we are wrung out and exhausted, 
if we are in anticipation of some really difficult things coming up and are daunted by it, if we're excited by what's ahead, but know that we don't have the resources, before we go and do anything, we can stop and receive what we need for those things. We can receive his breath, his spirit. And as I say, at the end of this message, we'll make some space for us to come and receive prayer and a touch and a breath of his spirit again. So as part of our Where Do We Grow From Here theme, we're thinking about bold experiments. We live in missionally challenging times. We've talked in previous messages about our culture and about the shifts that have taken place in our culture, that we no longer live in times where people will choose to come to church services, however good and relevant we may or may not think our services are, that the first port of call for help, unlike a previous generation, is not the church any longer. And while people very definitely are spiritual, very definitely are spiritual, they don't actually think that churches or Christians will have the answers. When we began our journey with alternative gatherings about six years ago now, this was the reason that times have changed hugely. We asked ourselves, are there some things that we can do? Are there things that we can do out of the building that will help to build a sense of community and share faith with people for whom church and church services and our framework doesn't make sense to them in a way that connects with people uh, where they're at? For those who are new here who, or perhaps aren't aware, um, these are our alternative gatherings that we've got so far. Monthly groups, all on a Sunday morning, based around a particular people group or hobby or need sharing God's love and being good news in the community. We mentioned at the beginning that Cedar Ministry is out today, probably 40 to 50 of our people out sharing God's love in six different nursing homes. Um, About 20 women from Common Threads doing needlework and craft with uh, half-time coffee and um, a thought or a personal testimony. And Mud, Sweat and Gears cycling out in God's creation and explaining this is church today. This is being with uh, Christian believers today and sharing faith with anyone who wants to come for the ride. One of the values that we want to be at the heart of all that we do here and that we've tried to communicate regularly on this journey that we're on is that it's okay to try some things, that not everything will work and that that is okay, to try some experiments for God, you know, to give, give things our, our best prayers and our best shots and, and, and leave how fruitful that is to God. Now, of course, that's easy to say, And we've had a couple of things with our alternative gatherings that haven't worked out the way that we hoped and prayed and planned. And it's disappointing, but actually it really is okay because we're into trying some things, some experiments for the sake of the kingdom, bold experiments that might not work. We would love more people to engage with our alternative gatherings. About 200 um, of you in our church are part of one. You know, thank you so much for that and being part of them and helping to make them happen. If you're not hooked into one or you're new, have a read up about them on our website. There are some leaflets about all sorts of the different ones we run on the information point if you're interested in finding out a bit more. We're in a similar place in terms of experiments and trying some new things um, with what's happening in Bosom. 
we've been praying about our growth and our space here. We've been praying about the fact that we are full here on a Sunday morning, especially our children's groups, that we are full to bursting, that we can't give the kids what they really need as best as we can because of our growth. And also feeling a sense that God has pointed us, really nudged us to the fact that actually people have been coming to CBC from in and around Bosom, that actually quite a number of people travel in to be with us. Now, of course, we're really grateful for that, that people choose CBC and travel to be with us. We are grateful for growth. Of course we are. But we're grappling with where do we grow from here? And last Sunday, we called people who live in and around the Bosom area together. And uh, it was a good morning. We had um, 65 adults and teens and about 20 children and babies together. And it was really good just to be together and to pray. We are still very much in the discerning stage. It still feels very experimental. And we're still seeking some clarity. And we're still asking you as a wider church to go on praying about that with us. From that meeting, there's lots that still isn't clear, but there was very definitely a sense that we should try and pursue something. So what we've done in the light of last Sunday is to book um, the Bosom Village Hall for three separate Sundays monthly, one in September, one in October, and one in November. And we're going to be inviting people to that for uh, anyone who wants to explore things further. Still with no definite obligation, but at this point we're saying, do you want to go on this journey with us and see where this takes us? To see whether something more regular and consistent is the right thing. If you were there last Sunday, I'll be sending an email around to you um, this coming week with the details of that. And in that email, there'll be the chance to opt out and to say it was good to be there and pray. This isn't right for me. We're imagining lots of people will choose that. That's completely okay. It may also be that you want to opt in at that point and say, I'm not sure, I'm not committing for definite, but I'd like to journey with this a bit more. It may also be that there are others who don't live in the area, but actually it could be quite excited about the idea of a smaller, um, perhaps more missionally creative way of doing discipleship for us and our families. Just as people travel here from all over, but our mission field is Parklands, in a similar way, our mission is Bosom. But it may be that people would like to come to that and be part of that. The wider invite, that is for families, really, because that's where our space problem is. And we really feel that God's put that as a driver for this. We've got mission and we've got space. It may be that your family, your children, would benefit from that way of doing church. And even though you don't live right in Bosom, you'd be interested in exploring that with us. Come and chat to us. And Victoria will be talking to families about that. So we'll be saying more about this in future weeks, but really just to say, please keep praying. Who knows what will happen? Who knows what will happen? We do not have our ducks in a row, is what we've been saying to ourselves as leaders. I, I quite like having my ducks in a row, but I really did not have my ducks in a row on any of this. And actually, it's a really good place to be, just to be dependent on God. Who knows where it will lead? Somewhere or nowhere, that's in his hands. But I do know that it's a really good thing to try experiments for the sake of the kingdom. I do know that, and that is needed really needed in the times that we live in. Being effective disciples for God need his power. And that's, this is for all of us. You know, sometimes when preachers preach and there's, it's very specific, you know, it's, a kind of, it's good to hear the teaching, but it's just really relevant to a small handful. You know, the privilege today is this is a message for every single one of us. Whether it is 
as a church with our alternative gatherings or our new plans, or individuals with all that we are facing in our own lives, in our frontline places, where we'll be tomorrow, in our offices, or teaching in our schools, or working in the NHS, or looking after our kids at home, or loving our neighbour. Every single one of us, if we're going to be effective disciples of Jesus, need to receive his life-giving power. We need his power and his presence if we are to live well for him. There's no other way. And that only comes from receiving the source of power for ourselves, his Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out in power. A sound like wind filled the house and tongues of fire rested on them. Verse four, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The church was born and the gospel spread from that point. David Watson um, said this, we need to urgently recapture the vision of living daringly for the Lord, throwing ourselves totally on the power of the Spirit without whom we are nothing. This is the greatest and most pressing need of the church today. Everything else we do is like trying to sail a boat when the tide is out and the wind is still. We're to live daringly and we do that dependent on the power of the Spirit. And we can only be dependent on the power of the Spirit if we continually receive his love and his presence into our lives. Don't jump the gun, he says to us. Don't rush out and do stuff. Hang on a minute, wait, stop and receive. When Jesus was in the upper room, and commissioned his disciples in our passage. He's there as the resurrected son of God. He's there in front of his friends. You know, he's already, by his death and resurrection, he's already achieved forgiveness and peace and hope and uh, healing and new life. But his achievement needs to be implemented by the act of receiving. As we receive, all the things that we know about him, all the things that he achieved become a reality in our lives. What he achieved is brought to life. And then that fuels us for mission. We have a relationship with a God who breathes. And when he breathes, everything changes. Tomorrow, we can have his authority as a follower of Jesus, sent by him, peace, from him, the resources by his spirit to do what he's asking us to do. Tomorrow, if we are exhausted and wrung out, we can be refreshed and filled. Jesus commissions us and gives us what we need, receiving before going, filling before serving.